You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Monday episode of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got a busy weekend of Utah athletics to recap, including one Utah athletics program capturing a Pac-12 championship. You can guess which one it is. I'm pretty sure everyone will get it right. We'll also talk about the big weekend for the Pac-12 at the NCAA tournament. What kind of impact could that have on the University of Utah's search for a new head head men's basketball coach? And what kind of updates are we hearing in regards to that search so far? And we'll also recap the rest of the action for the weekend across the University of Utah Athletic Department. All that coming up next here on the Locked on Utes podcast for Monday, March 22nd, 2021. Back into the Locked On Youth Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Brian Brown. Our show is brought to you today by Built Bar. And thank you so much for joining us here on a Monday coming off of a weekend. I don't know about you, but the weekends are always too short. Uh, these podcasts tend to probably be too long for most of you. Uh, understandably so. But we're going to try and knock out some good information for you. We're going to recap what happened in the NCAA tournament with regards to the Pac-12 and how that might impact the search for a new head, ba- head men's basketball coach up at the University of Utah, especially in terms of financial uh, benefits that the conference may have reaped, and also in terms of exposure. We'll also give you an update here about the coaching search and, and what we've learned over the weekend, what to expect moving forward. This stuff is super fluid, so I'm going to probably give all the information that I've heard and been able to pick up and I think it'll probably all change by the time this releases because that's typically how these things go. But at least we'll be, uh, you know, you guys will have me on record being wrong, and that's always a fun thing. But we're going to start out with the big weekend for the Pac-12, and it really truly was a big weekend for the conference as they went undefeated in the first round at the time that I recorded this. Oregon State was leading Oklahoma State. Uh, Fingers crossed that that continues. If so... That is a tremendous, tremendous weekend for the for the Pac-12 and for the University of Utah, primarily because it means a lot of money in the coffers for every Pac-12 program. And for those who don't understand what I'm talking about, the NCAA tournament pays out based on each victory per conference. So there are NCAA units that come with every victory. Those units are worth millions of dollars to the campuses over the time. There's a pretty intricate calculation that comes along with that. It's mostly based on a certain stretch of time, the number of wins, the number of units, and and the number of teams that that make a, uh, a run in every year. And and for a while now, the Pac-12 has been under you know this is nothing nothing new for anybody the Pac-12 has been well behind of of what the expectation was and we've seen that with the perception I think the Pac-12 was 
probably appropriately disrespected considering past tournament performances, but they've come out on fire, went undefeated through the round of 64. UCLA has won two games. And uh, like I said, as, as at the time that I recorded this, you are all listening to this Monday morning more than likely. Uh, Oregon State was still up on Oklahoma State. And if that was the case, and that's even more for uh, for the Pac-12 in terms of money. But how it works is that every game played equals one unit. The units earned are pooled together and carried forward by the conference for six years. The 12 receives an annual check from the NCAA based on the number of units collected over the rolling six-year period. Each unit earned this year will be worth about $300,000 per year over the payout cycle, or $1.8 million total. Value of that increases by a small amount each year. So far, the Pac-12 has banked 11 units based on its performance initially, um, and, and this was it would be 12, obviously, counting... Uh, the potential for Oregon State winning, and then obviously any games on Monday that they would continue to win. Um, each of the five teams has earned two units, one for, for appearing in a first-round game and a second-round game, with the exception of UCLA, which has earned three units because they got in the first four, which is kind of a fascinating little subplot to this because I think we tend to think the first four is maybe pointless, or not that important, or, or maybe even disrespectful. But it's turning out to be a very, very important part for the Pac-12 in terms of that's an extra $1.8 million that they'll get because of it. So even if the conference dropped every single game in the second round, it'll get those 11 units. Uh, over six years, they're worth $19.8 million for the conference to be split evenly amongst the 12 members. Uh, that's more than the Pac-12 collected in the previous two NCAA tournaments combined. They got three in 2018 and seven in 2019. It's also more than the average number of units earned by the conference over the past six-year rolling period, which was 10. And because it's not likely that they're going to go 0-5 in the second round, that leads to the possibility that it could be even more. Um the Pac-12 record is 14 units, which they earned in both 2014 and 2017. For that to continue, uh, you, you would just need to see a couple of the teams get wins, obviously, in the second round, and hopefully a few more get a, a win in the third round. Uh, they're honestly three units off total, but it could be a massive um, stretch here. And why that's important, obviously, is because the, the University of Utah is operating on a $35 million deficit, as we've mentioned fairly often on here. And they're also having to pay $7 million for Larry Kruskoviak's buyout, six, seven, somewhere in there. Uh, I don't know that we really know the exact number, but that's all funding that will be covered by this payout. And so that's you know, an extra $1.5 million in future revenue that each program can account for as of just the 11 units. Um, that's enough to pay for, you know, for ex these are, these are all examples that I'm reading from the hotline courtesy of John Wilner. He says it's enough for Washington state to pay the football programs, travel expenses for a year. It's enough for Cal to pay its women's basketball coaching staff enough for Utah to cover the cost of uniforms and equipment for all its Olympic sports teams, uh, enough for Colorado football program to cover recruiting expenses for three years. It's enough for Oregon to pay their strength coach, Aaron Feld, for five years. Uh, 
it's enough for Arizona to cover Sean Miller's buyout. And so with several athletic departments in the conference kind of struggling under the weight of this financial burden, it really does impact and change things for the better. And I think with regards to Arizona, that's something that could have impact on the University of Utah coaching search because if Arizona does decide to now cut ties with Sean Miller and maybe go after, oh, say, a Joe Pasternak, who I do believe is on a long list of candidates for the University of Utah. Uh, I don't have any update on whether or not he's he's reached out or the University of Utah has reached out to him. Um, he was a He was a name that I mentioned. A while back was at Arizona, has done a great job at UCSB. He's a younger coach. He has strong recruiting ties. Yes, he was a part of Arizona during their recruiting heyday. You can read into that what you want. He's also a very, very good coach with some experience coming from UCSB, has West Coast ties. A lot of the things I think that are important to the program in terms of uh, basketball are elements that are his strengths, and he's shown that as a coach. So another name to consider. Um, and, you know, if, if that money does grow enough to where Arizona can buy Sean Miller out comfortably, he might be a candidate at Arizona. And that might impact if the University of Utah misses out on their first, second or third candidates or fourth or, or wherever he's at on the list. I, I don't know. But if they do miss out on a few candidates ahead of him, it would mean that they would have to keep continuing going down and, and search for another candidate. I don't think it's that unusual for programs to miss out on their first or second or third choice. Uh, it, it does happen from time to time. And, and a lot of it is just because, you know, so much of coaching is, is based on being able to secure your future. And so a lot of these coaches will look into jobs and they're, Home programs will kind of reevaluate if it's worth it to them to try and make an offer to keep them. We saw that with Larry Kraskoviak where Chris Hill extended his contract and, and up the ante after he had a couple uh, couple different programs interested in him. I, I USC is one that I think is pretty well known. Uh, Illinois had sniffed around. I believe there were a few others that he had turned down to stay at the University of Utah, but it came with a hefty pay raise and, and an extension. And so this is one of those situations where programs that maybe are not financially stable enough currently, if they do get more money, they may be more willing to do that. So it does impact the University of Utah coaching search in that regard. I also think that this will open people's eyes to what really is happening out here in the Pac-12 and and that it is the conference basketball is really good. And, And that's always been the issue with the University of Utah is that they've done well during the conference season but never in the conference opener or the uh, non-conference schedule either the non-conference schedule was never tough enough or they didn't win enough games and so it did not bring enough attention to the conference that was the case again this year and now the Pac-12 has just absolutely steamrolled through the first round and caught a lot of attention and is changing the perception so this is these are the kinds of things that I think had this happened four or five years ago we would have seen at least two more NCAA tournament appearances for the University of Utah, and I know that's salt in the wound for a lot of Utah fans, and I apologize. Uh, I'm not trying to be that guy, but I really do think it's the case. I think 2018 and 2017 were both years that the University of Utah probably should have been a tournament team, but they weren't because they weren't abiding by those schedules. I think it's a debatable topic if non-conference schedules are really that important, but uh, at this point in time, you kind of have to do it 
And so it does bring finances up for the conference. It does help a lot of these athletic departments that are more than likely struggling under the effects of the pandemic and the loss of revenue. So it is something to keep an eye on for sure. And I think that as we continue to monitor how the Pac-12 does, it could really mean a massive profit for the conference as a whole, something that they've been in desperate need of for a long, long time. And with financial stability comes confidence. Another thing that can bring you confidence when it comes to your best game is by going to Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form at a fraction of the cost. Their tablets combat all forms of ED. They can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. It is an online prescription service. No doctor visits, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, no running into Brown Bear and telling him how excited you are about your Blue Chew. Even though I would be excited to hear it, it probably would be a little bit awkward for me. That's sometimes, you know, I'm on a need-to-know basis, and some of that stuff I just simply don't need to know. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers will work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. It's perfect if you don't like swallowing pills. The tablets are chewable. They come, they're made in the USA, prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. If you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and safety information. We've got a special deal for you. You can try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code Locked On. That's all one word, Locked On at checkout. You just pay the $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code locked on to receive your first month free. Thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring the podcast. Hopefully, you had a great weekend watching all the games during the NCAA tournament. It is great to have March Madness back in its fullness, but it's also great to be able to profit off of that financially. And there's no better way to do that than betonline.ag. It is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We have FCS football going on, obviously college basketball, NBA, NHL, everything in full swing. There are awards shows coming, reality TV shows. I'm sure The Bachelor has been insane. All these, all these events are all update, updated real time. Odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Uh, some of the props were really fun, depending on you know, which players scored how much, how many teams scored so many points, and with all the upsets, it could have been a very profitable weekend. I saw somebody had a 10-team parlay that was worth $33,000. They won nine of those and had the opportunity to cash out for 23. I think the bet was for $100. That's a pretty good markup. So if that isn't a motivation for you to get on board and and try betonline.ag, it's super easy to use. You can go to the website or use your mobile device to sign up. Super easy to sign up. Once you place your deposit, use the promo code Locked On, all one word, for a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Take it care, get it taken care of. Play for the rest of the March Madness. Get involved in all the tournament craziness. Bet on those prop bets, whatever it is. Just go to BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Back here on the Locked On Utes podcast, but before we get to the update on the coaching search, I just want to remind you all that you need to go subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast. You can get all the sports news that you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on radio.com at or wherever you get your podcasts. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on all the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And hopefully, 
we'll have an update some at some point on the University of Utah coaching search. Over the weekend, I, I think this has been pretty well reported that the University of Utah has genuine interest in Alex Jensen, former player, as the next head coach. The kind of murky part about it is is how much interest does Alex Jensen really have in the job? And at one point in time, it was thought that maybe Jensen would be very interested in the job. He is currently on the road with the Utah Jazz. I think that really complicates things. So I don't think we're going to see a ton of movement immediately in the coaching search as long as he's one of the primary candidates. And I do believe that he is one of the primary candidates along with Craig Smith. I also think that Johnny Bryant has probably shown interest in the job. And I think that he would be somebody that Mark Harlan should absolutely consider in terms of at least giving him an interview and and hearing him out. I think Bryant is incredibly charismatic. I think he would be a great fit for the University of Utah. The major concern is simply that he has no head coaching experience. He's never run a Division I program, and he's never been a head coach anywhere. And that's a lot for a school that has as high expectations as the University of Utah. With regards to Alex Jensen, the story seems to be that he likes the position he has at the Jazz. Uh, I I don't think the Jazz are going to match whatever the offer that the University of Utah would put forth dollar for dollar, but I think that they would likely be willing to keep him there if he wanted to stay. The bigger issue, I think, is that he has more stability with the Jazz right now than he might have at the University of Utah as a first-time head coach. The other aspect of it, too, is that Mark Harlan has shown that he is not going to wait around for results and that he is willing to make tough moves during tough times, and that can be a really daunting thing for a first-time head coach, especially one that hasn't coached at the college level in a very, very long time. Jensen, of course, was an assistant for Rick Majerus when he was at St. Louis. He does have coaching experience in the NBA G League. He has been with the Utah Jazz for quite a while now. And he can continue to stay with the Jazz essentially for as long as he'd like. Uh, Quinn Snyder is likely not going anywhere for a long time. The Jazz are not going anywhere for a long time. They have the core of their roster set up to be competitive for the next few years. And that could be a major blockade in terms of Jensen wanting to take the job at the University of Utah. I think part of it would probably be he'd he'd need to know how big his assistant pool money is. I think the other part of it, too, would is that he would need to assemble a coaching staff that would be full of lights-out recruiters and guys who really know the program. Obviously, Chris Burgess is a name that's been thrown around a lot. It would be interesting to see who else he could possibly recruit for that. And I think he ties the program back with an era of Utah basketball that we all remember and love and are really, really invested in and and want to see return i think that could be a huge huge aspect in in his favor um the benefit that he has with the jazz though is even though the nba season does run for a long period of time and he is you know he's going to be coaching more than likely all the way until june and possibly july depending on how far the jazz go in the playoffs the NBA season is substantially less demanding in terms of time because there is no recruiting. And I think that's the biggest maybe 
concern that he might have in taking the position from what I understand. And I've not talked to Alex Stenson specifically. This is simply what I've I've heard from others who have or and or who know his thinking on the subject. All of this obviously is is open to adjustment and change. But if that's the case, then really it would be a tough sell for the University of Utah to get him on board unless he found the kind of assistant coaches that were able to step in and do the recruiting that the University of Utah is looking for. Uh, I don't have as much concern with him in terms of lack of head coaching experience. I know there are some people out there that worry about his personality type. I don't know that that's as big a deal at the college level. Um, As long as you can close recruits and have assistants on your staff who can uh, make that possible. I just think that the biggest, bigger concern is the fact that Whereas a college coach may spend anywhere from four to five hours a day with recruiting, NBA coaches don't have to do that. The other upside to staying in the NBA, if you're Alex Jensen, is that you get to coach Rudy Gobert. He is one of the top centers in the NBA, whether you like his game or not. He is without a doubt a top five center in the NBA, and it's really fun to coach good players. And I think there are some good players at the University of Utah. I've not heard anything in regards to which members of the staff will stay. And I'm sure that with regards to Chris Jones and Ian Martinez, or excuse me, Chris Jones and Henry Martinez, that could have a major impact on their sons, Ryland Jones and Ian Martinez, respectively, if they are not retained. So this all comes to a head with... At, at that point, if, if you're not able to retain those coaches or you decide to go in a different direction and those guys do transfer, how many guys end up staying in the program? How much do you really have to build on? And how much do you have going forward? Now, all of a sudden, this job becomes a much bigger rebuild than it was maybe if those guys were staying in the program. And that can be very daunting. And what it means is it's going to mean a lot more time. And so while the money is better, the job security might not be, and, and you're going to get a guaranteed contract no matter what. And I know that Utah fans are optimistic that it'll be around a one and a half to two million dollars. I am curious to see if that will be the case. Uh, with the way that contracts are being negotiated these days, it does not seem that those kinds of numbers w- w- will be the norm. It does seem like those numbers are going up and up even more now. Especially, and what may happen is it may end up being where you do get one and a half to two million dollars, but it's a six or a seven year deal, and so the the buyout guarantee becomes even higher. So those are the the, the concerns. I think that if I were Alex Jensen, that that's what I would be looking at. Is I could probably make whatever it is that I'm making with Utah Jazz, and I've seen reports that it's half a million dollars. They could probably bump him up to a million if if he really you know, pursued that. I don't think the Jazz would have a hard time with that. There are a lot of perks to being an assistant coach for the Jazz that you don't that don't show up in the pay stub. Um, one of those is probably having Ryan Smith as your owner. He's an incredibly influential guy. The other is just the the sheer volume and aspect of things that you have access to through the Utah Jazz, the facility, everything like that. Uh, being an NBA assistant coach is a really, really good gig if you can get it. And Alex can always go back to do that. There's no doubt about that. The The more intricate part about it is, can he go back to doing it at the University of Utah? 
And I think that's, or excuse me, with the Utah Jazz. And I think that's the part where it maybe gets a little murky because he wants to stay in Utah. I think that's really prevalent, um, really well known. And so those are the things that you have to weigh if you're Alex Jensen. Is it worth it for a few million dollars to go up to a program that is very near and dear to your heart? that you know has some work to be done and that you know you're going to have to invest a lot more time than you currently are and may have mixed results. Uh, I don't think any coach approaches those jobs expecting to have mixed results, but I think when you're analyzing it from the outside, that's always something that you consider. So that's a little bit of the update in, in regards to Alex Jensen and where where the – the search stands. I also believe that Craig Smith is an option. There was mention that he might be a candidate at Minnesota. I don't think that he is the primary candidate. I think he is a secondary uh, or, or lower level candidate for them. I do believe that they'll probably have an announcement of who they really, uh, of who they want uh, upcoming in the next few days. It, it, so much of this stuff is fluid and depends on negotiations and everything like that. Uh, where you've seen a lot of teams exit the tournament. I think that will open the opportunity for the University of Utah to to interview a lot more coaches, and I think Craig Smith is probably as as reliable an option as you can find on the market currently. Uh, he's not an expensive coach. The buyout from Utah State would not be that very big. Uh, I, I don't think it would be something that the University of Utah would think twice about, uh, to be honest with you, especially after spending seven million to get rid of Larry Koskowiak. Um, but the other part of it too is that Smith knows the culture. He it would be an easy transition for him, I think, to go from Logan to Salt Lake City. He high energy guy. Um, I think he he relates well to to his players. The players really do love playing for him. Uh, I had the pleasure of producing a lot of his coaches shows and a lot of the Utah State basketball games over the years and and he is it's been impressive to see how much he's evolved in a year or two he came in he's a very high energy guy uh, his his tone and his volume can can somewhat remind you of former university of utah basketball coach jim boylan but i have seen him evolve and i think he's a good solid basketball mind i think that's a very big difference from jim boylan and I think he really understands how to connect with today's college player. And I'm not sure that Boylan always got that. So that's kind of where we stand with the coaching search. My thinking and my suspicion is that Harlan has some people that are in mind already. He's probably reaching out to them currently. I don't think it's just those two guys that they're going to look at. I think that was part of the reason for releasing the press release the way that they did and stating that they wanted this to be a nationwide search. We've talked a little bit about how this job has brought up all sorts of different opinions in terms of what, what it's, what's possible and what isn't. So we will continue to keep you in the loop here on the locked on Youth podcast as we get more information and hopefully that we see some movement on this sooner rather than later. It's Built Bar Madness, everybody. I hope you understand how excited we are about this. Uh, March Madness is one thing, but Built Bar Madness is totally another. You know how much we love Built Bar here on this program. And today, there is a massive matchup on the horizon. It is Coconut versus Birthday Cake. Me, personally, I'm going with Coconut on that one. 
I do enjoy the birthday cake, but for me, the coconut is just one of the best flavors that they have out there, especially when you throw the coconut almond on or the coconut brownie crumble. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing taste. As you know, my personal favorites, I've said them all over again. Uh, I love coconut brownie crumble of the standbys, mint brownie, hard to beat, cherry barcia, another great one. Can't go wrong with coconut or coconut almond. As they say, it does really taste just like an almond joy. Get to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your purchase while voting for your favorite between coconut and birthday cake. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get that 15% off your order. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bars. Wrapping up a Monday episode of the Locked On Utes podcast, and thank you for hanging out with me today, everyone. I really appreciate you all hanging in with me, uh, especially writing solo today. Jake had some other stuff he had to take care of. But I wanted to get uh, to our favorite segment, which is the weekend recap. Biggest news, obviously, coming out of the weekend is that Utah Gymnastics won their, oh, uh, however many conference Pac-12 championship. It's... It's insane how good and consistent this program has been. Uh, They are far and away the best team in the Pac-12. They will host the 2021 Salt Lake City NCAA Gymnastics Regional on Thursday through Saturday, April 1st through the 3rd at the Maverick Center in West Valley City. Uh, They'll find out who they'll join today uh, during the selection show at 3 p.m. So if you're listening to this before 3 p.m., you can check that out on NCAA.com. It is probably one of the better, if not the best teams in the country. And, and they have just, you know, there was that big matchup against Oklahoma. And I think they've really just uh, skyrocketed since that in terms of their development. Uh, Miley O'Keefe, one of the, you know, earned the all, the outright Pac-12 all-around title. Uh, claimed co-champion on bars, beam, and floor with 9.95s on all three events. She's just been incredible, and and this team overall has really been fun to watch and and compete and everything like that. So it'll be very interesting to see what they do at the NCAA tournament. I do have high hopes that they can go all the way this year. Number 11 volleyball beat Colorado over the weekend for Beth Lanier's 600th win. They are 12-4 and four on the year, and that is a really incredible accomplishment for Beth Lanier. She has been outstanding as the women's volleyball coach. She's built an incredible program up there on the hill, taking them through some very, very difficult transitions from Mountain West into the Pac-12. And this team seems really poised to... Uh, to do some damage uh, as they move forward. The next matchup will be against Washington State. That'll be on the 26th. That one will be at 6 p.m. And I really do feel confident that this team is, is starting to round into form. They've, they've overcome the COVID issues that kind of interrupted them initially, and, and they've had some tests throughout the year. They've had some, some very difficult opponents they faced, and I feel like that this – especially getting that 600th win for Lanier will really catapult them forward. So high hopes and high expectations for them as they move forward. Uh, Utah baseball dropped um, dropped a tough series finale at Stanford 4-1 to on Sunday. Um, they tried to tie it up in the fourth inning, but Stanford then jumped ahead. 
They did get one win while at Stanford. They they dropped both the opener and the finale, but got one in the middle, uh, winning 8-4. to four. And so that's a pretty good pickup for this team on the road. They'll be back uh, in Salt Lake City playing against Dixie State tomorrow, 4 p.m. will be first pitch. Uh, that one, I believe, will be at uh, Smith's Ballpark. And that'll about wrap things up for today's episode. Thanks for hanging in here with me. Uh, As always, subscribe, rate, review, five stars only on whatever your favorite podcast platform is. We thank you for listening, and we will be back with you tomorrow. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast for Monday, March 22nd, 2021.